Welcome to Tasty Grinds, the podcast where we talk to people with fascinating careers in food and dig into how they pull it off. I'm your host, Dabney Goff. Hey friends, today's guest is Todd Pontius, an artisanal cheesemaker who most recently worked at Old Chatham Sheep Herding Company in Old Chatham, New York. I met Todd many years ago at the University of Virginia, where we both traveled in literary circles. Coincidentally, we both ended up in food-related careers, which perhaps speaks more to the fate of liberal arts majors than anything else. Nonetheless, we both managed to find our passions in all things edible. In this episode, Todd talks about learning how to make cheese and teach others how to make cheese, the meditative aspects of manual work, and the importance of a good story, either telling somebody else's or creating one of your own. I hope you enjoy. Todd Pontius, it's great to talk to you after all these years. To start off, let's connect some dots. How did you go from the University of Virginia to eventually becoming a cheesemaker? Yeah, um, I was living, I'd moved to Ohio and doing digital archiving. I got laid off from my job in 2009, and I didn't really like my job that much anyway. And there was a Whole Foods in my neighborhood that I could actually walk to in Columbus. And I, and I got a job there as a cashier, and that was just brutal. And I was just like, I need a way to get out of being a cashier. So when, they, when there was finally an opening in specialty foods, I just kind of nerded out on the cheese, and I got really excited about learning about you know, where all the cheeses were, because they had a lot of different kinds of cheese for it being a really small Whole Foods. And um, I realized, the, the short story is that I realized that, like, the way that you sell cheese is you just tell somebody a story um, about where this cheese comes from. Um, you know, if they're interested in cheddar, that's one thing. But if some people come in and they're just like, I'm looking for cheeses to take to a party. And, you know, it's kind of a cool thing to do for somebody. And they're just like, oh, I don't know anything about cheese, but just help me pick four. So like I said, the way that you sell cheese is you tell somebody a story about it. It's like this cheese comes from the Swiss Alps. Um, it's, you know, a traditional cheese. It's a Swiss cheese, but it doesn't have holes in it. Or this cheese is from Vermont. This is one of the biggest uh, sheep, da- one of the biggest and oldest uh, sheep dairies, you know, in the country or whatever. Or, you know, this cheese comes from, you know, hippies in Indiana or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just got really excited about learning about that stuff and talking to people about cheese. Eventually, I realized that, like, you know, what I should just do is just, you know, write my own story about cheese as opposed to telling somebody else's story. Hmm. So I started looking into it. Um, I took classes down in Ohio. There's a guy that travels around the country giving cheese making classes. His name's Peter Dixon used to make cheese at Consider Bargalow up in Vermont. Now he has his own operation, but um, he's been teaching classes for a long time. He's been making cheese for a long time. So I took like a week's worth of classes with him, and it was really interesting. Um, and I took, um, kept researching, and I took some classes at uh, the Vermont Institute of Artisanal Cheese, which doesn't exist anymore, but it was a program at the University of Vermont um, where you could get like a basic, they had like basic and advanced cheesemaker certifications. When I was up there, I met people 
you know, from all over. I met people that have been making cheese for a long time. Um, people that were writing about cheese, like people that were like trying to import cheese from, you know, different countries. And that's, that was like pretty serious because that was like, you know, people that were like all over the country that were really interested in making cheese. And then I started looking for um, internships and I was lucky to find an internship in uh, North Carolina. Um, it's a goat dairy called Goat Lady. Their cheeses are all over. They're, they're all over New York City. Uh, Mari Batali is a big fan of their smoky. Uh, they have a, a little sort of a hockey puck, a fresh chev that's smoked in applewood. And Mari Batali's Italy carries that. He's really into that. Um, and they've won awards for their other cheeses. I talked to them, and they said, "We, you know, we'll do a we'll do a six month internship." And from when I was there, I learned how to make pretty much just like fresh uh, goat cheese um, and some aged goat goat cheeses. That was a really great experience. Um, and then when I was there, I sort of learned that like how different it is to work with your hands and how different it is to not work in like an office environment. Yeah, tell me a little bit more about that. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess the first jobs that I had, the first few jobs that I had when I was out of college were mostly um, desk jobs or computer jobs. I was just sort of starting to come to terms with like what sort of work meant. Because <laughs> I guess um, I'd never really experienced that before in that way. Now, <laughs> for me, after years of doing it, it's like, there's a lot of stuff that you have to do in cheese making, and a lot of it is really boring. Mm -hmm. um, most of it, most of it is cleaning. Most most of the work in cheese making is cleaning, um, or setting up, or doing other things. And the way that you make money in making cheese is you make a lot of it. Um, and the way that you make money is you make a lot of you make a lot of cheese. But the way that you make money is to do it as um, efficiently as possible. Hmm. And I didn't really, I guess I had these like romantic notions of what it was when I was living in North Carolina, but it was okay because I was just, you know, I was working for basically for free. I just did the farmer's markets and stuff like that. But, um, after I left Go Lady, I started looking for places to work. I'd been talking on the phone to Jasper Hill and just trying to go up to Jasper Hill um, in Vermont. Mm -hmm. uh, and they have interns that stay and work for free for them for um, months at a time. When I was up in Vermont visiting Blue Edge, I went up to Jasper Hill, stayed up there for a little bit and worked for like two days. And they said, well, what do you think? And I said, well, you know, what do you think? And they're like, <laughs> well, you know, you can, we'd like to hire you. Um, we think that you can maybe work here. And I was like, okay. And I moved up to Vermont because I had a job at Jasper Hill. Yeah. And quickly I found out that I was not prepared for the level of cheese making that they expected, especially because they have interns. If I had gone as an intern, I would have probably lasted longer and, you know, made it. But because they were going to pay me, um, it was different. The expectations were really higher. It was really high stakes, and they didn't really care if I made it or not. Like, I'm, that, that sounds a little bit sort of crasser than I was, but I was, let me just put it on me. I was not ready 
to do those things. And they did a lot of different styles that I was not familiar with. And, um, it, it did not work. And after, um, about I guess four months, they were like, this just isn't working. So I packed up and talked to a guy downstate New York at coach farms. Um, and coach farms is a, um, it's a goat cheese dairy, um, that's been in operation for a long time. It was originally started by Miles Kahn, who's the guy that made coach handbags like successful. Really? <laughs> started in the eighties, but with his money from coach handbags, he brought over French goat cheese goats and wanted to make French cheese in America, French huh. goat cheese in America in the eighties, which was really ahead of the curve. Yeah. And when I got there, I realized that that was not a place that was going to work for me either. Um, so it was a really hard, sort of a hard start mm-hmm. um, to my career. But I'd, I'd already been talking to old Chatham uh, sheep herding, which is where I work now. And when I talked to them, they said, you know, we might have somebody that might be leaving in the future. When I realized that coach wasn't working out, I touched uh, base with the guy that I talked to at Old Chatham, and he said, yeah, our, our, head, our head blue cheese maker has left. Why don't you come up and talk to us? And I went up and applied and talked to them at Old Chatham. I was the head blue cheese maker for a while, and then I was the creamery manager. How long have you been there altogether? Um, it'll be five years in March. Got it. So you've had a few different roles there. Yeah. Um, creamery manager... I wasn't really making cheese, but I was in charge of, what, like 15 people, 12 people in charge of um, making sure that the mix were being done right, in charge of milk quality, um, coordinating with 12 different Amish farms to get milk, and also making sure that we got milk from the farm and dealing with federal regulations and dealing with state regulations and, um, yeah, not, not really making cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now I'm just making cheese again, which is really much better than being in charge of people. <laughs> um, what, what are your hours? What are you, what are the kind of basic things that you're responsible for? But, but mostly I want to know what, how early do you have to get to the farm? <laughs> <laughs> Um, we don't have to get up that early because, um, sheep's milk is usually bulk tanked. Um, when I worked at Jasper Hill, you had to be there really early because the milk came out of the cows and hit the vat. Like it wasn't, it wasn't really chilled. Mm. It, as soon they, they milked that morning and as soon as they were done milking, they pumped it over. Like it wasn't really held for any amount of time. Um, God, I think you had to be there at four thirty. Wow. We don't have to be up that early. And so tomorrow I'm gonna get up at like five thirty or five forty five and um go in and set up. It's gonna get pumped over from the pasteurizer. I'm going to culture the milk and fill out all my paperwork, keep track of it. After about an hour and a half I'm gonna add rennet, which turns the milk into a gel. Uh about half an hour after that I'm gonna cut it three different ways. So I get these little cubes of curd. I'm going to stir it out for about, after I let it rest for about 10 minutes, I'm going to stir it for 10 minutes. Then I'm going to ladle it into molds and then flip it 
every 45 minutes for basically for the rest of the day. And then while I'm doing that, I'm going to clean up, clean the vat out, clean the um, floor, clean up all my utensils. Probably need to check on the other cheese that I've made earlier that week um, because it's continuing at different stages in its life cycle. So I'll either salt cheese or um, punch cheese where you take like a um, air-powered um press and you punch it, hmm. punch holes in it so that the the blue mold inside the cheese can grow oh. and form those blue veins. Probably going to flip cheese, take care of it in the caves. Um, we age cheese in cryovac bags, which is sounds crazy. Um, but basically what that is, is each cheese gets its own little pouch and it gets aged in um, a fridge and that cheese needs to be checked on. Probably going to taste some cheese tomorrow so we can find out what cheese is ready to sell. I'm probably going to wrap, I might not wrap some cheese, but we need to, we need to wrap cheese to sell it too. So that's keeping track of cheese that you've been making three months ago, yeah. three or four months ago. So, but so cheese making is a lot of, a lot of repetition. Um, it's a lot of, you know, cleaning, um, it's a lot of doing the same thing over and over and over again, like 72 times or 144 times. Um, so if there's jobs that you don't like to do, like if you don't like to do the dishes or if you don't like to scrub molds, you find a way to do those things, um, as fast as you can, um, so that you get through it as fast as you can. Mm -hmm. And, um, you realize that standing in one place and just going through a pile of work is like the most useful thing that you can do there. Um, in most cheese making operations, there's an endless, there's just an endless amount of work. Um, but if you do something, if you figure out the way to do something, that's the best way for you and the fastest way for you to do it, then you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time you do it. Mm. You're like, and that's one of the most important things in cheese making is to do the same thing every time, because then if you do something different and the cheese turns out different, then you know what you did. Right. Um, and also <laughs> consistency in cheese making is the real thing. Mm -hmm. Um, being able to do something the same way every time and have it turn out the same way every time. You sort of expect that when you put cheese into a cave to age it, that the cave is going to be the same all the time. So that the things that you do when you make the cheese before you put it in the caves are what are really going to sort of steer the way that that cheese turns out. Hmm. So that's the sort of work that you have to do is like, not run around with a chicken with your head cut off. Stand there and do work and do it the best way for you, the fastest way, and the right way. Um, and I'd never really sort of had that association with work. Like, um, I guess I always thought like that I was like a creative type or something like that, where I didn't have to like, um, you know, figure things out. I could just sort of you know, figuring things out was like 
something that you, you know, and she's making, you only really figure it out once. I mean, it might take you a while to figure it out, but once you quote unquote figure it out, like that's it. Like Mm -hmm. that's what you're doing. Can you give me an example of like what one of those things was that you figured out one of those efficiencies? Oh, um, yeah, there's like, um, I mean, today what I did is I I cleaned molds and I salted. And when you salt, when you salt blue cheese, what you're doing is you're rubbing it down with really coarse kosher salt called dry salting. So you scrub it, Mm -hmm. you're trying to, um, it's rough and it's coarse. You're trying to get it into the cheese. Um, so you grab salt with your hand and you rub it into the cheese three times and then you turn the cheese on its side and you rub cheese into it either eight times or 16 times if that gets you all the way around the cheese. Then you flip it over on the top and that's going to be the top when you put it when you set it down. So what was the bottom is down the top. Mm-hmm. So then you scrub cheese into that three times and then make sure that there's salt all the way around it and that there's salt on top so that it looks sort of like a, um, like a coconut frosted cake covered with this really big coarse kosher salt. Then you put it into the box and then you do that 72 times. I mean, that's not, that's not like genius, but it, most of the work in cheese making that's not like administrative work is that kind of work. It's like scrubbing a mold. It's like, how do you do it? Well, remove the soil by spraying it with a, with a hose and then scrub it on the sides with a brush in really, really hot water. Scrub the inside with the brush in really, really hot water and then put it into the dishwasher and run it through the dishwasher. While you're doing all these things, you can do other things. And one of the most important things is to sort of have everything within reach so that you can do as much stuff as you can so you don't have to move. Mm. It's sort of like, I guess, like you meet your meat on top. Because you just, really the most important part of that is just cranking through it. And one of the great things about that is that, I don't know if you've ever done something where you're just sort of like on muscle memory. Mm-hmm. Um, but your mind gets sort of freed up if your body is just sort of on autopilot and it's not really on autopilot because you know, you're, you're conscious of what you're doing. It's not like you're distance from what you're doing, but your mind is just sort of, I don't know. I feel like my mind is just sort of freed up a little bit so I can think about other things like that I have to do mm-hmm. or, you know, think about my day. Um, and I think, it's sort of meditative in that way. I mean, there's that whole story about um, how monks in the Middle Ages were the guys that invented really good cheese um, because they had the cows, they had the access to, to technology, um, and for certain months of the year they couldn't eat meat, so they made really crazy, strong-tasting cheese that tasted like meat, hmm. um, like washed or like washed rind cheeses, like cheeses that are washed with beer, mm-hmm. sort of have that sort of strong bacony or beefy flavor. But anyway, so that's like the sort of like work of cheese making. Um, you entered the world of cheese because you wanted to be the maker of the story. Do you, um, mm-hmm. did you end up getting that satisfaction or do you get a different kind of satisfaction you know, did it did it turn out to fulfill you in a different way, or is it exactly what you thought it was going to be? It wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be um, when I set about doing it. And being in Ohio at that time, um, trying to find a job, I was just like, "This is this sucks. This is awful." Like the economy was really bad. It was like two thousand, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Mm. 
I just didn't want to work with computers anymore. I didn't want to work in the service industry anymore. I knew I wanted to do something with my hands. When I started reading up on the story of cheese, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I love diff- tasting different kinds of cheese, and I was just like, I, you know, I've sort of been a, I've been a music fan all my life, but I'm not really a musician. So that the way that like I could, you know, listen to music, like a musician could write off like an album on their taxes. You know, because it's like, oh, I, I bought this album and it totally changed the way that I t- play music. Um, but for me, it was like, it was just, I felt like I was locked into this cycle of consumption. I was just like, oh, I I bought this record and it's on my shelf and I can look at it adoringly. Um, it's part of my record collection. I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be just a consumer. I was like, well, I'm going to just learn how to make it. Right now, my problem is that basically I'm a chef working in somebody else's restaurant. Mm. I didn't develop the main cheese that I made. Um, They gave me a recipe and said, this is how we make this cheese. And I sort of took what I knew and tried to make it better. But there's things that I can't change about the cheese that I make. If I had to, what, what I would really like to do is have my own operation, make my own cheese. And I think that I didn't really understand what the next step was when I took this on. It's like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna learn how to make cheese, and you're gonna get a job making cheese. What comes after that? Because mm. I think I think I've gotten to the Malcolm Gladwell. Is it ten thousand hours or whatever? Uh-huh. But you, you know, I don't know if you know Malcolm. Gladwell, I think it's Malcolm Gladwell has this thing where it's like, in order to become pretty good at doing something, you have to do it for like ten thousand hours. Yeah, yeah. Just do it over and do it over and over and over and over again. I'm sort of at that point. Like I can, I can train people on how to make cheese. I can tell people what to do and explain to them why they're doing it pretty well. Like that's the other thing that happened when I when I started making cheeses. I didn't really. It's it's one of those things where the more you know, and I didn't really understand the saying either. It's like the more you know, the more you learn that there's more that you need to learn. Right, right. Like, the, the more that you do something, the more you, you realize that you're just sort of a hopeless, you're just hopeless at it. You're still not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you're on of, the outside, you don't realize things. how much there is. Like, you know, when you're on the outside of a universe, you right. don't realize how big that universe is. And I just make cheese. There's people that do both. They do both animals and cheese, which is insane. Um, they take care of the animals, they milk them, and they make the cheese. Sometimes it's the same person that does that, which is totally insane. If it's the same family that does that, that's crazy. That's so much work. Yeah. Um, to take care of animals, to milk them, to make cheese, to take care of the cheese. It's like it's a lot of fucking work. So what's your vision for, you know, when that time comes for you to strike out, what, what will be the distinctive marks of your cheese? Oh, one of the problems is that artisanal cheese in America is sort of it is sort of following the way that craft beer evolved in America like back in the 90s if you wanted a beer that wasn't Budweiser or Miller you know you got a Sam Adams and you're Mm -hmm. like oh the Sam Adams has a lot of flavor and it's sort of a weird beer it's not really like a watery domestic lager and now people are getting all kinds of crazy craft beer it's like crazy styles of beer pretty sure there's probably a guy in Hawaii that, you know, makes really good craft beer. 
Yeah. You know, there's probably several craft breweries in Hawaii. Now it's, people are sort of expecting more from cheese. You know, now is really the best time to be eating cheese in America. Like cheese that's made in America is the best quality it's probably ever been. And there's so many different kinds of styles and there's so many people doing interesting things. So my thing is I'm a little bit behind the curve because there's people that are younger than me that are opening their own creameries and they're doing it with crazy esoteric milks like cheese milk or goat's milk. Um, I don't want to do animals like and make cheese. Mm -hmm. So probably I would just find relationships with somebody local and get milk from them. And what I would like to do is just find somebody that sort of has an established cheese making operation that's doing the things that I want to do and go in partnership with them and develop new cheeses with them and improve their caves. But I mean, that's sort of where I would like to do it is in a partnership with somebody, um, you know, get milk from somebody. Because that's one of the other things is that in upstate New York, where I live, and in New York in general, um, family farms go under every day. Mm, there's yeah. keeping the small farmer afloat. You know, there's farms that have been families for generations. Yeah. And that's that, I would like to do that. You know, I don't really know if I could handle a lot of animals. <laughs> yeah. would be a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is the most rewarding aspect of your job now? Um, I actually like, I actually like training people. Um, I like sort of getting people excited about it and talking them through it and being able to answer their questions in a (laughs) informed and not, you know, not totally bullshit (laughs) way of just being like, why are we doing this? Well, this is the reason why we're doing this. And this is why that's a good reason. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, and that's how you I'm know sure you have... really know something too, is that if you know it well enough to, well, really to answer, answer questions. Yeah. To not get stumped. I mean, I still get stumped. Um, and still there's people that ask great questions that I never thought of. Um, I mean, I like making cheese. It's there's, there's a lot involved in it. Um, there's a lot that's like exciting about it. And, um, there's a definite possibility that you could fuck it up. And with sheep's milk, sheep's milk is eight times the price of cow's milk. Wow. So that's a lot of money down. That's a lot of money down the drain if it doesn't come out. Uh, but I like training people, like people that are in people that are excited about it. We just hired a new guy who the chef and he was working at a restaurant in the area and he quits out of the restaurant to come over and work and he's he, I think he has like one day off a week and he's come in on his day off to make cheese and like hang out wow. and he's super excited about it and that's great I mean that's it gets me excited again it sort of like helps me remember the excitement that I used to feel and also like the fear <laughs> and like the um, you know the excitement of it of just you know learning how to do something like that. Yeah. But that excitement is kind of contagious too, in a really positive way. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I hope so. I mean, I don't know. There's people that get into cheese for different reasons. Some people get into cheese because they love cheese. Some people get into cheese because they love animals. Um, there's so many different kinds of cheese out there. Um, and there, it's so different how you make different things. Like, you know, how you make fresh chev and the techniques and the science and how you make like a, like an aged cheese, um, how you'd make something like, like an Alpine style cheese, like a cooked 
impressed curd cheese, like the technique and the science that's involved in that. Like, it's pretty nerdy, <laughs> but it's pretty fascinating. I mean, the science, if you remember that you're turning something that's a liquid milk into something that's a solid, I mean, that's, you can nerd out. I mean, I guess that was the nerdy part of it that appealed to me, I guess. Yeah, that's cool. And that people have been doing it for a long time without technology on the sides of mountains without electricity. <laughs> um, do you have any cheese heroes or people who really inspire you? Yeah. I mean, the people that I've worked for, you know, I've taken something from all of them. There's also like people that I've never met that are pretty inspiring. Um, there's this lady in Vermont called Lainey Fondler. She runs a goat operation called Lazy Lady, which is off the grid. Uh-huh. Um, and she milks the goats and makes the cheese. It's just her. Um, so Lazy Lady is a little bit of a joke. Um, <laughs> I got it. When I was living in Vermont, I tried to get her on the phone to see if I could go up there and check out her operation. And she said, no, I'm too busy. Don't <laughs> don't call me again. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. So... And she's not a young lady either. Mm-hmm. She's not old, but, um, you know, and Mateo at Jasper Hill. I mean, Mateo and Andy at Jasper Hill. I learned a lot from working there, even though I wasn't there for very long. But, you know, those guys are the best for a reason. They want to do all the right things all the time. They're they're raising all the boats, you know. They're, they're making mm-hmm. cheese in America better for everybody because of all that hard work. So, yeah. um, um. Last question, I promise. Uh, what advice do you have for somebody who walks up to you and says, I want to be a cheesemaker? What do you say? Um, find an internship or work for free. You know, you, it's really something that you need to just do. Um, I, you know, it took me a lot and it was sort of painful because I didn't really have, I didn't really understand what it meant to work with your hands and like sort of what that work ethic meant. So I had, I had to learn that along the way. If I had sort of known that beforehand, that would have been great. A lot of the sort of like, you know, romance now about cheese doesn't really take that into, con- doesn't take that into consideration, like just how much work it is. Yeah. There's, it's, it's an infinite amount of work. I mean, there are always, you could always be doing something. You know, if you can find a cheesemaker in your area, that's the best way. And then you'll find out what it is that you like about cheese. If you really like making it, then great. You might just like to taste it. Or you might just like to hang out with goats. <laughs> which, you know, power to you. Like, goats are awesome. They're like fuzzy dogs you can milk. <laughs> it's just been really great to catch up with you and um, and also hear about how you spend all your time. It's been really great. Well, thanks. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate, appreciate it. it. So, a bit of an epilogue. In the intro, I said that Todd most recently worked at Old Chatham Sheep Herding Company. That's because after we recorded the interview, Todd accepted a position at Coco Borrego Cheese in Ohio. So he's headed back to the state where his cheese journey began. He says he's excited about his new venture, and we wish him luck. Stay tuned for our next episode featuring Saisy Coldis, who has been a cook on the high seas. We'll learn about some of the ways that cooking aboard a ship is different from anywhere else. You won't want to miss it. That's it for today. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or at tastygrinds.com, where you can also find show notes, subscribe to our email list, or let us know who you'd like to hear interviewed. Until next time, thanks for listening.